Sports Minutes with Elia Danker and Ziaul Roshan. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is now time for Sports Minutes. I'm Elliot Danker together with Ziaul Raushan. Breaking news uh, late last night, Raushan. Yeah, some good news as well. We'll jump into it. I was going to retire. I will not know more. Daniel Ricciardo, one of the most uh, liked drivers on the paddock, I dare say, returns to the grid in place of Nick de Vries. Uh, so he's going to be on the grid from uh, Hungary onwards for the rest of the season. This, of course, raised, uh, raises a lot of questions regarding the future of Daniel Ricciardo. So best person to talk to, a Formula One expert. He is an international F1 commentator. Matthew Marsh is on the line. Matthew, how are you? Well, I'm very well. Thank you for saying what you just said, but I'm not sure I'm the best person to speak to because I think this is all completely ridiculous. And I'm currently Mr. Angry sitting here at the moment thinking, what's going on with Formula One? Well, Matthew, it's easy to be angry in Italy, so thankfully you're a bit <laughs> holiday, but we'll try and get the best out of you. You've already alluded to it. What's your initial reaction to the return of Daniel Ricciardo? Was it almost inevitable? No, not at all. I thought he was washed up. You know, he's had a decade in Formula One, won eight races... In 2016, if you remember, he finished third in the World Drivers' Championship, driving then for Red Bull, looked like he could become one of the greats. You know, I, I was shocked that Ferrari didn't take him on at, at some point instead of Carlos Sainz, which they chose. But he got beaten didn't he, in 2018 by Max Verstappen pretty pretty roundly and then decided to go to Renault. Many people thought that he was you know, running away from Verstappen and, and going perhaps after some money. Uh, did better at Renault for a couple of years, but against people like Nico Hulkenberg and Esteban Ocon, who are excellent drivers, but not, you know, totally world championship material. And then he got, again, very much thrashed by by the young Lando Norris at mm. McLaren in, over the last two years. So I just don't understand the point, really. <laughs> I understand you were at uh, Silverstone over the weekend. Uh, did you hear any rumours? Was, was this something that was uh, going around the paddock, perhaps? No, I didn't. And I'm not sure what that's a reflection of, really, because I did spend the weekend, as you can imagine, speaking to many people. I had mm. quite a long chat on Saturday night with Franz Tost, who's the current uh, team principal of AlphaTauri. Not that he would necessarily have told me. I mean, clearly, this is not something that was decided in a moment. Uh, I think it must have been decided as the weekend progressed or even was being thought about in in the run-up to the British Grand Prix. So, um, But no one, no, nobody mentioned it. Um, so I think it was a surprise to many, actually. Now, Matthew, we're going to get stuck into why you're feeling a bit upset because there's always two sides to a coin. While we celebrate Ricardo's return to the grid, Nick De Vries, is this the end of the road for the former Formula 2 and Formula E champion? I think in Formula 1, certainly. You know, wow. if somebody needs a reserve driver at short notice, perhaps Nick is somebody you plug in for a race, as Williams did, of course, last year. And that's what that's what happened, isn't it? <laughs> Nick had won the Formula 2 Championship in 2019, but in his third season, and many people therefore thought, you know, not good enough to go up to Formula 1. That's why he went to Formula E. Mm. Actually became the first Dutch world champion because mm. he won the Formula E Championship in 2021. Mm. Then had that stand-in for Alex Albon, uh, last year at Williams, uh, at Monza, where the car suited the track, finished ninth, became suddenly very fashionable, um, and was taken by AlphaTauri. We can come on to why they did that, which is ridiculous. But, you know, I think he's got a very solid career in motorsport, perhaps in sports car racing, driving in the Le Mans 24 hours, which is uh, on a resurgence at the moment, maybe in IndyCar following other F1 drivers like Romain Grosjean and Marcus Ericsson. I mean, he's got a good career going forward. He's a, you know, he's now a former F1 driver, so he can command 
uh, more money and so on. But no, I don't think we'll see him driving in Grand Prix anymore. What does this mean for younger drivers at the same time? Um, because looking in particular at uh, AlphaTauri or formerly Toro Rosso, they've been quite ruthless. Uh, is this a team I want to stay away from if I'm a young driver? In some ways, yes. I mean, the problem for for young drivers today is that it's so expensive to get to the to the junior categories Formula Three and Formula Two. Put it into context: a season in Formula Three costs you a million euros. A season in Formula Two costs two million euros, and you're going to do three years at least in those two categories combined. So we're looking at you know somewhere between. Um, just doing some maths, four, four and five million euros. You know, who's got that kind of money? Yeah. It's nonsense. And so you do need to get into one of the junior driver programs. Luckily, the top teams, Mercedes and so on, do have programs. But you, so you have to sign up and you, and, and you get in a situation like Alex Albon did where they promoted him too fast to the, from, from what was then called Toro Rosso into mm. Red Bull. Mm. He, of course, as Pierre Gasly had done beforehand, didn't find his feet immediately and then gets rejected and it damages their career and you know these formula one cars now are very difficult to drive it's an exponential jump from formula two to formula formula one because whilst the g-forces go up you know in a step way the complexity of driving the cars is enormous they adjust things like the differential on the rear axle going into and coming out of the corners the energy harvesting you know these cars are hybrid cars just super complex and you can't expect drivers to learn how to drive them especially when there's so little in-season testing so yeah again i'm not obviously very thrilled about the idea of nick devries not being given a full season i mean they shouldn't have had him in the first place but then if you can't kind of have the driver you know give him a chance yeah there goes my hopes of uh, driving a Formula One car. <laughs> that might be a combination of age and bank balance, though. <laughs> Matthew, let's bring it back to Ricardo. You talk about this being quite sudden. Word on the ground is he did really well at that tyre test, and that's why he's been almost funneled into this uh, AlphaTauri seat so quickly. Do you think he's already eyeing that Red Bull seat? Because Perez doesn't seem to be all that convincing at the moment. Well, uh, if, it, if it is the case that they hadn't, made the decision until he drove the Red Bull on Monday, Tuesday at Silverstone. And then he did so well that they put him, it's ridiculous, even more ridiculous. <laughs> because the condition, you can't compare, as you know very well, Raushan, you know, you know Formula One very well. You can't compare Tuesday with Sunday. Sunday, there was a 54-lap Grand Prix with 20 cars going around. The circuit's beautifully rubbed in. I don't know if it rained on Monday. I don't think it did. I was at Heathrow Airport most of the day. That's another story. But the point is, you can't compare the conditions. He was on his own, basically, not very much traffic on the track. There was no pressure on him to complete a lap. So saying he could have qualified on the front row, well, amazing. Get to qualified on the front row. Max Verstappen driving that very car. So Daniel Ricciardo also being on the front row is not especially impressive, is it? <laughs> Matthew, I've been dying to ask you this question the moment we decided we were going to speak with you yesterday night, right? Uh, and that is... Does Daniel Ricciardo ever stand a chance of being anywhere close to a world champion in the final years of his F1 career? Well, if he walks down the paddock and stands next to Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, <laughs> he can get close to them. But on the racetrack, as we've seen, because he did, he drove, you know, he drove alongside Max Verstappen, got soundly beaten. He drove alongside uh, Lando Norris, who, in my opinion, is as good as George Russell and potentially as good as Max Verstappen, and got blown away. So no, not unless he's in a team that's got a, a car advantage, no. 
I had that coming. <laughs> you certainly did, and Matthew, I think in the movie... You're not picking up my attitude here, are you? My voice. <laughs> exactly. So, Matthew, in the mood you're in, I'm particularly keen to ask you this question, actually. We know Ricardo brings so much more than just driving to the grid, that personality, that effervescent smile. How excited are you for the bromance between Ricardo and Yuki Sonoda? Well, there's a couple of things here. I don't think Daniel's got anything to gain because if he beats Yuki Sonoda, well, so what? Because Yuki's a good driver, but he's not a great. If he gets if he gets beaten by Yuki, or if he's not substantially better than Yuki, that's it. He's completely washed up and finished, and and loses any of the luster that, that is around uh, Daniel because of his, you know, previous eight Grand Prix wins and his character, which is which does shine brightly. I have to say, Patrick, he's a terrific guy, and all of the things I've been saying about him are about his performance as a racing driver. If you're a sponsor of the AlphaTauri team, one of my clients is a sponsor of the AlphaTauri team, he is now excited about being at races and getting the chance to meet to meet Daniel. Yes, that's exciting. If you're one of the engineers on the team, and this car is bad. When I had that chat with Franz Post I mentioned, he described the car. I won't repeat the words he used because they're not particularly complimentary. It's not a very good racing car. It's probably the worst on the grid. So if you're one of the engineers, having Daniel there to help you try and understand the problem definitely is a good thing. But otherwise, again, I don't see any reason to be excited about it. Speaking of being excited, uh, what do you think Max Verstappen is feeling right now? Uh, a couple of days ago, he said that while Brad Pitt was there filming uh, something for a, a brand new F1 movie, he couldn't care less. you think it's the same with regard to this uh, Ricardo news, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, Max is absolutely focused on driving racing cars and winning races, as we've seen, and nothing else. You know, in his spare time, he races a simulator. He's one of the best sim racers in the world. He then goes to racetracks and drives sports cars for fun with his dad and other people. You know, so he's not interested in anything else, really. Yeah, he's only interested in winning and he won his sixth successive race this past weekend. Red Bull's 11th successive win. Speaking of this Max dominance, dare I ask again, Matthew, is it getting a bit predictable and boring, Formula One? But did you watch the race on Sunday? <laughs> yes, I did. Because it sounds like you didn't. <laughs> because it was one of the best Grand Prix I've seen. There's so much going on. Yeah, I, I get your point. I mean, to be fair to you, Rash. <laughs> Thank you. I know you're only asking these questions to try and make this interesting. But, you know, yes, it is. It, it's, it's predictable, yeah, but the racing is fantastic. Other than, you know, you keep saying, if we could remove Max Verstappen, but we had that before with other drivers. Mm. Um, the race between Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris was absolutely thrilling. Mm. And, again, we're seeing Lando Norris proving that he's one of, you know, he should become a world champion multiple times. He's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. There's other racing, you know, I could list so many of them. There's, there's a lot about Formula One that's exciting to watch. Yeah. You speak with Matthew Marsh, you better do your homework. <laughs> Clearly. Matthew, uh, I didn't do my homework on this, uh, but it's more of me needing your help, Matthew. Help us understand. <laughs> I mean, some of these cars are amazing. The Red Bull car is amazing. The Mercedes car used to be great. How many percentage is down to the car and how much percentage is down to the driver? If, let's say, Hamilton and Verstappen were to switch cars, uh, would Hamilton be winning six races in a row? Um, well, it depends. If he had Max Verstappen as his teammate, then no, because they'd be fighting for those wins. But yeah, if, if it was him instead of Max and Max was in the Mercedes, absolutely Lewis would be winning them. You know, I think the answer to your, your, your question about the percentages, it's, I think the answer is it's, you know, probably 75% the car mm. and 25% the driver. But 
the driver makes the difference. As we've seen, the Red Bull is the best car on the grid, but Sergio Perez manages to make it look very, very mediocre, <laughs> particularly in qualifying. And if you haven't got a driver who's brilliant, and that's to my earlier point about the engineers at AlphaTauri, it's very hard for the engineers to develop the car to be good. And so, again, what we're, what we're seeing at Red Bull is the engineers working with Max. He's very precise about his feedback, what he wants the car to do. The engineers know what they're doing. The car gets faster and faster in the hands of Max. In the hands of Sergio Perez, it's becoming more and more difficult to drive. He's losing confidence, and that's why the gap between the two of them is, is, is growing. Thank you so much for that perspective, Matthew, and for keeping me on my toes when it comes to Formula One since 2016. We've been speaking... Someone has to. <laughs> Thank you very much. We've been speaking to international Formula One commentator Matthew Marsh. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Sports Minutes on Money FM 89.3.